We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, check out bluewirepods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe. Hey there, welcome to Binge the Bucks, a special narrative podcast series focusing on the Milwaukee Bucks 2019 playoff run and part of the Eurostep podcast. I'm Ty Windish and I'm here with Rohan Kadi to break down Game 3 in the second series in this run, a 126-116 win over the Boston Celtics in Boston. Rohan, I honestly forgot how good of a counterpunch the Celtics gave in this game after losing Game 2 in Milwaukee. Yeah, it was... Just looking back on the series as a whole, I forget how close it was yes. for a lot of the games. Like, every single game so far that we've covered has just been... It's just been very close up until, like, the second half. And it's just Boston getting out to early leads, and it's just Milwaukee has to fight their way back, and then they sort of take over a little bit. But I just... I forget how close it was. Yeah, and honestly, like, <laughs> this is something that I think probably drive Celtics fans crazy. I think this team, this specific Celtics team is super interesting because the potential here is like sky high. I mean, we, well, there's a lot of Kyrie stuff to talk about. Uh, we'll talk about it some, I'm sure. I, I know Boston people have and probably will continue to talk about it for a very long time. His impact on this team, whether it be positive or negative, it wasn't, wasn't very positive in this game as he scores 29 but shoots 8 for 22 from the field. Um, and the rest of the starters were incredibly efficient. But, like, even if Hayward doesn't get injured, I wonder how different this team looks. If, if Marcus Smart is healthy the whole time, and obviously the Bucks didn't have Malcolm Brogdon, but, I mean, this team, like, there's so much talent here. And part of me wonders, like, 
would in a different universe i mean and this year they're largely the same but with kemba for uh Kyrie and with noel horford like what would this team look like if they had just ignored or never got Kyrie and just ran with Marcus Smart, who seems like a perfect point guard to go with all these forwards in his place all year. I know this wasn't the same Tatum it was it, it, it is this year, of course. He's gotten much better. But still, there's some flashes these forwards keep showing that make me go, was Kyrie a bad move all along, even though the Celtics got him for peanuts? Yeah, it's sort of what you just said there reminds me of, what was it, the 20... 20- 16 or 17 bucks where it's just like you need to get Delhi to be your point guard to just defer to Giannis yeah and Chris it was a little too extreme but yeah yeah it's like no that Delhi Pat Bev sort of type where it's like defensive minded but can like you know handle the ball in specific situations but you mainly don't want them to be running the show that's actually a really interesting parallel but yeah I get what you're saying because uh, Boston, their forwards are just so talented. We see in the series, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, they're just going off. And it's, I don't know, I'm glad that the Celtics did not fully realize it. Uh, their talent of this team, I might be a little biased, who knows. Uh, but <laughs> it's just, I don't know, it's just wild to see that this team didn't succeed. Yeah, it is. So uh, with that, I mean, let's. I, I, we have a lot of other, I mean, full game notes, but I think we can jump into them as we go through uh, quarter by quarter. Did you have a? Do you have a stage setting thing? Well, it's just sort of like again, Marcus Smart and Malcolm Brogdon were out, and this was this was actually like a game that Milwaukee had to take because they needed yes. to get home court advantage back because they had been embarrassed in Game One. They needed to come out here and win two games in a row. Because they, they took care of business in game two at home, but they needed to take a game on the road. And that's exactly, spoiler alert, that's what they did here. It is. And I remember we talked about this last time, but still, just to go over it again. And I feel like this is something that can certainly get lost looking back at this series. Because the, like the general perception of this series has seemed to me, and it's kind of what I bought into as well, is after that game one, the Bucks just rolled for four straight games. That's certainly not what happened. And I think it's really important to go back for, for some more perspective, even though the Bucks, I mean, they did rattle off four straight wins, but they didn't blow out Boston four straight times. That's for, that's for sure. Going back and, and trying to put myself in the shoes of a Bucks fan of these Bucks teams, between games two and three, we knew how good this team was. I mean, they won 60 games, but also, like, going into Boston and winning is really, really hard. Historically, recent history, I mean, Giannis Bucks couldn't do it at all. The last time these two teams played in the playoffs and like going back just historically in general, I mean, like the Marcus Johnson Bucks had some tough series where they lost to the Celtics. They also, I think, were the only team to sweep Larry Bird or something like that. It was a really cool Marcus Johnson Bucks accolade some sometime in history. But um, but I mean, like Bucks throughout throughout the years have always struggled to win in Boston. Every team has struggled to win in Boston, whether it's the Garden or TD Garden or whatever. Um, I, I think the garden is Madison Square Garden. Let's be honest here. Oh, true. The whatever, whatever Boston, TD garden. Boston, I don't, plays. Boston. I'm sorry if I'm offending Boston. Actually, eh, am I sorry? Um, yeah. But it's just like the garden is MSG. Yeah, it's the TD weird Garden is not going to be the garden. It's weird that there's two gardens. It's, yeah, it's, no, there, there's, one, there's one, garden. one garden. Yeah. Anyway, in Boston though, it's very hard to win in Boston. I remember going into this, be like, please God, can we just take one of these games in Boston? Yeah, no, it's just, yeah, that's a that's an interesting point. I didn't really think about that when I was doing my rewatch, but it's just, it's such a tough environment. Like, the crowd really gets into it. 
um, it's it's a tough environment to win in because when the Celtics get going at home, it's sort of it's hard to stop them. They're always a very good home team, like you said, especially in the postseason. So Milwaukee had a tough test, but I guess we can start to get into the quarter by quarter. Yeah, I mean, it, Boston did get rolling early. The Celtics won the first quarter, thirty to twenty-five. Um, Tatum hits the first bucket of the game, a nice mid-range jumper. He continued to hit those all night long. It was a good Jason Tatum game. Um, really, just the Celtics are rolling early. Kyrie was hitting some shots again. He doesn't he doesn't hit a ton this whole game, but he certainly did hit at least a few uh, in this first quarter. And the Celtics moved the ball well. Jalen Brown had some really strong moments in this 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 game. I've always liked Jalen Brown. Uh, the people told me the contract he signed it's like four years, a hundred million, or maybe even a little less. I think people it's, told me. I think it's a little over, isn't it? Is it a little you over? T- you talk while I look it up. But people told me that was a terrible deal. I really like Jalen Brown. I would be glad if the Bucks could sign Jalen Brown and ignore you know whatever players it would cost or whatever. But like four years, one fifteen. Okay, four years, one fifteen. So it's like twenty. It's under thirty million a year. Yeah. It's between twenty five and thirty million. I I'll still take it. Jalen Brown is really good, and like he doesn't usually get any touches because he's like fourth or lower on the pecking order most of the time. But in flashes, he is really really good, and I would I'd love to have Jalen Brown on my team for that number. Um, it's yeah, a corner 20, three. Twenty eight point seven five mil. Twenty eight point seven five mil a year. Yep. Is it all guaranteed? Uh, I think so. I didn't think it was that much, but good for Jalen Brown. Good for the Celtics to to keep him. I think the biggest first quarter thing. Besides the Celtics looking really good, hitting a lot of threes and moving the ball well, huge Pat Connaughton quarter. Yes, for sure. It's just he went on an 8-0 run on his own. He did. It he was just three. It was Boston Pat. We hadn't like we'd seen it a little bit during the regular season, but it's sort of like it's the playoff thon sort of mystique. But <laughs> it's Boston Pat. Like he just he shows out when he's in his home state, and he it, just he went like. He hit a three, then he had like a Tony Snell handoff three yeah, from Urson, which Tony was Snell's wild. minutes in this series were something. No, not, no, not even the not even Tony Snell himself, just the, oh, the yeah. Tony Snell play from Urson. Yeah, yeah. Like, I just, I forgot how many variations of that play they ran that season because they realized they could get it at like any time they wanted. Because uh, nobody is worried about any of those names you just said. Yes. So they teams just... are not like, how do we game plan for Tony Snell or Ersan Ilyasova or Pat Connaughton? So yeah, if you draw up plays involving those guys, I feel like the other teams are like, okay. Yeah, it's just like we can get an open three whenever we want, which is like I feel, I think I've said this before on this series, but it's just sort of like the Bucks don't really run that this season. <laughs> you don't see no. that at all, uh, which is weird because you know you get an open three whenever you want, um, but. Yeah, I just I, that play was wild. Just an Urson handoff to Pat for a three, and then he had like an offensive rebound into a into like a tough layup. It was just it was a solid Pat stretch that got really Milwaukee back into this game because Boston was starting to blow it open a little. Yeah, they were. So that's the other thing. Like there there was this. I think there's this perception of like the Celtics like really wilt throughout this series, and not the good wilt like Wilt Chamberlain, the bad wilt like wilt like a flower and die. I didn't see it at all in this game. Uh, the Celtics fought. Like a, they went on a run early. They go on a lot of early runs in this entire series. Uh, we will see some more of that. But um, Marcus Morris is like freaking Clay Thompson in this series. <laughs> like, my goodness. This dude is hitting every single three. The Celtics, I think, went on an 11-2 run at one point mm. after the uh, the Pat C. 8-0 run himself. Uh, Brooke hits a post-up, which was good to see. 
but yeah, it Bledsoe. was it was nice to see Brooke just sort of like he had Gordon Hayward on him, and it's just, I th- yeah, that was his only two points of the quarter. But just it's just mash him. Yeah, he was just like, okay, I'm taking you into the basket with me because you are too small. Uh, it's always fun to see the things that we know didn't really happen that much. Like when you do see them, it's like, oh, look at that. Look, it's it's uh it's pointing to what would come. Yeah. Foreshadowing. Yeah, exactly. Um, Bledsoe knocking Marcus Morris in the next week was super mm-hmm. fun on on offense, sort of driving and just just no, moves a, him like yeah. set like his height at least. Yeah, and it was just I remember Hubie just being like, "Oh, it's an offensive foul! It's an offensive foul!" <laughs> also, something I noticed during this game—this is a little weird—but just every time Hubie Brown sees something he likes, he just goes, "Oh," which sounds a little <laughs> sus. Uh, but it's just, it's just I don't know. It was a little it was a little concerning. Uh, <laughs> I hope somebody grabs that audio clip. Uh, but yeah, yeah. It, it was it was wild. We gotta love Hubie. It's it, nothing will ever be as good as uh, what's the what's the Boston Homer Tommy 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 Heinsohn when he was talking about Aaron Baines. <laughs> I think this is this regular season. Yeah, he's well put together when he saw him in the shower. He's got all of Australia or something. Oh my goodness! What a wild. Yeah. Okay. He was just like, oh, he is well put. It's just, <laughs> that's just wild. Yeah, that's just we didn't need that commentary no. at all. Okay, well this but happened. Uh, what's your what's your all time sus commenter commentator commenter commentary moment? Because I have one that's a clear winner. Oh no, uh, the the Kenny the Kenny Smith. Uh, this wasn't a commentary, but it was just like NBA on TNT post game. It's like I don't know. It was something about like you can't anticipate the load. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's. That's really good. Do you remember what Mark Jackson said about LeBron's wife during the finals? Oh my god, that's that's not even sus. That's just that's just out of pocket. I how did like I this is during a finals game. How do people not bring this up more? Like, how does Mark Jackson still call games? How does he? Yeah, how does he still for multiple reasons? Uh, But well, yeah, yeah, yeah. not even just his commentary, but like his actual like personal actions. But that's just you're you're talking about LeBron's wife while calling a fine that's just so disrespectful i'm just like i'm pulling up a tweet that has the exact words because i don't want to misquote this but oh this is that he said i'd hit it out the park no question like that's how just, what what I don't, I don't know how lebron didn't just like walk up to mark jackson after the game and like deck him you can't like you can't, you can't even that. say like he meant something else like there's no other meaning no, you that. can't you can't do that like ever I don't know how we got here. I would the Hubie no, the thing. Yeah, the <laughs> then I guess it was my fault. You know what the craziest part of that? That was game one of the finals. Oh my god, twenty eighteen. That's, that's when LeBron was going off too. Yeah, it, it was a tie game. Like that's it's just, it's not like we were nowhere. Yeah, it's just I don't know. It that's the, that was an all time performance by LeBron in that finals game one, that got overshadowed by J.R. Smith, but. Yeah, I don't know. That's just that's just so. It's just it's frankly disgusting. It's wild. Yeah. It's talking about LeBron's wife. LeBron had just I think it was LeBron had just hit a three to make it seventy three seventy Cleveland mm. in game one of the finals. You know what the craziest part is? What? The NBA account tweeted out the clip, and you can hear him saying it in the clip. Oh my! Because of the three happened during. Oh my goodness! The NBA account tweet like how does I feel like so many people just uh, whatever. Let's move on. <laughs> Let's move on. I, I can't even. That's just I don't know. That yeah, I can't even. That's just it's it's upsetting. Just one of the most wildly overlooked like 
indescribable, inexplicable commentary moments just of terrible. all time. It's just terrible. It is awful. Yeah. But also hilarious. The second quarter, Milwaukee wins 30 to 26. Uh, the Bucks get back in this game, uh, make it a one point game at halftime. Uh, George Hill, like so many, like I, I knew, look, I knew like just looking back, you know, without actually rewatching that George Hill was big in these playoffs. It feels like 80% of George Hill's buckets come at a time when it's like, if the Bucks don't get that bucket right there, the whole game might change. Like George mm-hmm. Hill is such a damn difference maker. Reminds me why I used to call him George Mountain instead of George Hill. No, we got we're, uh, we got Tony no, go Snell. What were some of your second quarter stuff? Uh, we got Tony Snell minutes in the second yeah, quarter. Yeah, we got real Tony some Snell reason. run. Yeah, I I don't understand. We got 15 seconds of Tim Frazier that I don't remember. Uh, but so this was, I believe, in this game, George Hill ended up with sneaky foul trouble. Oh yeah, he ends up with five fouls. Yeah. So I'm guessing that played into some of these decisions. But certainly weird to see some of the some of the players who played for the Bucks in this game. Yeah, it was it was weird, but yeah, George Hill was just fantastic this entire series and especially this game. But one reason why I said that like why how I noticed that Milwaukee started to come back was that even though Jason Tatum was going off, he was just hitting long twos. Mm-hmm. Like Jason Tatum, Kyrie, they were just all hitting long twos and the Bucks were hitting threes. And yep. that's just that's how they got back. They were trading long twos for threes and the Bucks win that matchup every time. No, absolutely. Um, Jalen Brown starts to cook this quarter. He does hit at least one corner three. Uh, he makes like a a pretty non-impressive lay-in early-ish in this quarter and like flexes super hard after it. And it's like, pick your battles, Jalen. Like yeah. It was just a lay-in. Like he didn't slam it. I mean, it was over Giannis, but Giannis wasn't really in position. Um, but then right after that, after a beautiful Chris Middleton finish, Jalen Brown then, I mean, like his block on Tony Snell this quarter, mm. I don't know if you remember it off. It's... Savage, yeah. There's a hard. There was some. The Celtics got some really hard blocks in this game. Yeah, it was just it was it was their playoff intensity at home. You just they realized because you know this was their first home game that they needed, you know, they needed to put if they wanted to put Milwaukee away quickly, they needed to win this game. And Mm -hmm. you could see them sort of being all focused, all intense, and they were taking it out on the court. And like, and credit to them, they were playing hard. They were playing with heart, and you could see it on these blocks. Yeah, absolutely. And I know, I mean, you made a great point about the Celtics hitting long twos. I mean, that is, definitely was then, still probably kind of is the way to, to get through the Bucks' defense. Obviously, your your math isn't great if you're the, the team doing that. I did notice Nico at center was, was happening during a lot of this Celtics run and a lot oh of these threes. And he just was never in the right places, it felt like. It, I, I swear, every time that he was involved, like defensively for the Celtics' offense, they were getting a basket. Yeah. It just, it, I'm there. We get yeah. to a point later in this game where mm-hmm. it's not even like him messing up team defense. Jason Tatum just realizes that whenever he want, whenever he wants, excuse me, like he can score on, because on it's, at any point. Yes. Because like a lot of the time, even though he wasn't at center like a lot, but he wasn't during this run. Uh, just when he was playing the four out there, you have Tatum or Brown on him. And that's, I don't know what, you expect him to do defensively i just it because he, he can't do anything and when those two players like tatum and brown are going off on them by themselves against actual competent nba defenders i don't know i don't know what the thought process is when you're putting nico miritich on them like it's, is it either. just sort of like a if they're gonna get it might as well let them 
get it, you know, sort of thing. So it's like you can put better defenders on the other players. Well, I think so. I'm just I might be giving the Bucks too much credit there. <laughs> I think one of the issues is like the the Bucks really didn't figure out great Giannis at center lineups and like how that worked until this season. It felt like. Like, there were, I mean, we talked last episode with, or the last couple episodes about, especially the one with Adam, about how deeper the Bucks are now and how many more options. But still, like, you could have still ran out, like, Bledsoe, Hill, Sterling, Middleton. Or, like, one of the point guards, Pat C., Sterling, Middleton. Like, you could have gotten, and then Giannis at center, and gotten, like, an all-wing, switchy lineup. The Bucks never really try that in this series. They're pretty married to one of, of Miritich or Lopez or both of them. I would have much rather seen Sterling Brown playing. And I know he had some some health issues at points in this series, but I would have rather seen more wings being a little undersized against these Celtics wings than Nico Miritich, who was just, even when he hit shots, and he did, he hits a nice, a stupid three, but a nice three in this quarter. Like, he pump fakes when the defender is super (laughs) far away and then shoots when he's right in his face but still makes it. That's the classic Chris Middleton. Yeah, it, it, it is, but it looks a lot less impressive when Nico Miritich does it. Um, but, like, even when he's contributing offensively, I think, I'm pretty sure I wrote it down. So he would, he scored 13 points. He had three rebounds, only three rebounds. And he has a steal in this game. It was a, I think he was five for nine from the field. It was a nice offensive game for him. Still just plus one overall. And plus, plus minus is noisy, but I think especially in this case, I mean, watching this back, he could not contribute defensively at all. Like, he, on a regular, consistent basis, he just, he was outmatched out there. It was it was just it wasn't even fair for no. the Bucks because he was just giving up bucket after bucket and we've said this ad nauseum at this point but it's just that's what that's what cost the Bucks yeah so uh, Pat C very nearly makes a buzzer a three at the buzzer that would have given Milwaukee the lead but still they go down I think one point do you have any other second quarter takeaways uh no I'm good for the second quarter actually I am good as well so. Quickly, before we get to the third quarter, we're talking about a basketball game right now, but it happened a long time ago. There is currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB on, so you might think that there's nothing to bet on, but you would be thinking wrong. Our exclusive partner, betonline.ag, still has hundreds of sports, events, and games to wager on, or you can let them bring Vegas to you with their online casino and blackjack. They're all open 24 hours a day, and they're all completely online, including their $750,000 poker series. If you're into props and entertainment betting, you can also still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the weather. Visit their website and join today to receive a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. You just need to use promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline.ag your online wagering experts. You know what a fun thing is that I found out I could bet on on betonline.ag? Ooh, what's that? The NBA players 2K thing. Ooh. That's... They have odds and everything. So I put, uh, I, I had some free play cash and I found out it was it qualified me to play that. And this isn't, this is like half part of the read, half not. So I saw on Twitter that DeMontis Sabonis had downloaded 2k for the first time for this tournament and he's playing Montrez Harrell in the first round I may have wagered on, on Montrez Harrell <laughs> pretty significantly so hopefully he has played before I mean we'll know if I'm right or not by the time this airs but uh shouts out to that but anyway 
Yeah, it would no. Just another quick thought. It's just you could tell who's played 2K before and who hasn't. Like I wasn't really yes. watching as it happened, but I was just like following along on Twitter and stuff. But it's just like you can tell who's played and who hasn't. Yeah, it uh, it got bad for Harrison Barnes. Ooh, yeah, Milwaukee <laughs> winning though in 2K. So yeah. you know, good to see. It is good to see. Um, also, the Bucks do some winning in the third quarter of this game, <laughs> flashing back to Game Three of Celtics Bucks in 2019. Uh, they win 33 to 23. Uh, the third quarter, just a solid. I mean, the defense was helpful. The Bucks continue to score buckets uh, in droves. 40, 40 in third 31 quarters. What was that? 40 31 bucks. 40 31 bucks. Yes. Oh, I'm on the wrong game. Whoops. 40 31 bucks. <laughs> this is the issue with putting all the games in the same in the same folder or file and then putting the ad read on the way bottom. Thank you mm-hmm. for the good catch there. The Bucks win 40 to 31. It starts off with our favorite player Nico Mirotic hitting a triple. Uh Kyrie comes back and Filthy pull-up three on, on Brooke Lopez for a three, but Chris Middleton four-point play. Four-point play. Absolutely beautiful. Chris has some moments in this series. This game, probably one of his best. It was just great to see. Yeah, it was just it was a beautiful. He was just trailing and then just comes back at the top top of the arc and just nails a, a three and gets fouled. And it's just I think the Bucks took their first lead since the first quarter on that play. Uh, I believe that is correct. It was just, it was nice to see. You could see that the momentum was starting to turn in Milwaukee's favor, even though it didn't really play out like that, because for the rest of the quarter, for the rest of the, a lot of the quarter, I should say, uh, it just, the lead kept going back and forth, and the teams just seemed to be trading haymakers, which goes back to my earlier point uh, at the top of the episode, where it's just like this, the series was way closer than most people like mm-hmm. remember it, um, because, you know, Every game, like it seemed like at least through the first half and midway through the third quarter, that the teams were sort of like deadlocked. You could never see like one team sort of jump out and just like take a commanding lead. Sure, there were like 10, 12 point leads for like the Celtics, but they never really got anywhere with it and could sustain it for long periods of time. But especially in this quarter, this third quarter, they were just they were just going back and forth. It was it was very fun to see. It was a very entertaining game. It was, and there was honestly, I mean, obviously, you know, we know we know the, at least what teams are going to win what games. There was a point where, on my rewatch, I was actually pretty concerned the Celtics were going to take this thing. Um, Jalen sort of posters Giannis. Uh, Giannis didn't really contest, but he was under it, so we'll, we'll, we'll call it that and be, be generous. And then right Hang after the banner. that. What? Hang the banner for the Celtics. Dunked on Giannis. <laughs> sort of postered Giannis. Uh, right after that, Kyrie annihilates a Bledsoe layup. Just like it, it was jarring to see Kyrie Irving block a shot, but he absolutely got into one. And that was like a big run, a great answer to that Middleton four-point play. And that's the kind of run where, you know, you're the road team. You just finally took the lead back. It feels like, you know, you're the quote-unquote better team. You're ready to go on a run and take this game. And the Celtics just come through with two huge impact plays. But it did not. It did not stop the Bucks from from running and and taking this quarter. Eventually, a big time Brook Lopez slam, like full caps. Like we, he was doing a lot more shooting that season. This was like again a little like oh you don't really always expect to see him. I think he pulled up on the rim afterward too. It was really fun. But as you said, I mean, just absolutely back and forth game. Kyrie's hitting threes. Chris is hitting threes. George Hill is hitting threes. The the three two difference helps. George Hill 
was huge in this game. Absolutely huge, especially in the end of the third quarter. But, I mean, did you remember Semi Ojale hitting back to back threes? No, I did not. I forgot Semi Ojale <laughs> played in this game. I forgot yeah, that I, he I was, didn't think he played in this whole series. I forgot he was a quote unquote Giannis stopper. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's why that was the Boston secret weapon. Was just semi Ojale just standing and taking charges, because yeah. uh, you know Giannis stopper, you know that. Um, but yeah, I I did not remember him coming out and actually one playing and two hitting threes. Like it was just it was wild. What he had two threes in less than three minutes. I think it was almost it maybe back to back possessions. Yeah, I think I I think that's right. Felt like it was at least. Mm-hmm. It was very they're very very close to each other. Yeah, but it was just I don't know, it was wild and I think I think a lot of the lead that Milwaukee built in the quarter was when Giannis was on the bench. It was just uh Yes. No, it, that turned the whole game. Mm-hmm. It was role players just sort of, you know, starring in their role i know that's really cliche to say (laughs) but it's just the bucks were playing their system and their system was winning uh i don't i don't know how else to describe that yeah i mean their system and also george hill yes george scores a very quick eight points at the end of this quarter to really help the bucks and i looked after the game because i totally agreed the the non-yannis minutes at the end of this third quarter swung this entire game dramatically um, so they they go on this run, and I was looking at the ESPN win prediction, and it goes from like fifty five to sixty percent around when Giannis checks out to I think like eighty percent or maybe even higher than that at the start by the start of the fourth quarter, just because that run without him, I mean it's it puts separation, and then you know like Giannis is coming back, like this is just gonna get worse for you. So definitely, I think this probably iced the game, maybe sort of helped ice the series as well. Absolutely huge non Giannis run. Yeah, and George Hill. I know this was with Giannis, but that driving dunk to put the Bucks up eleven at the at the time. I know it went down to single digits after that, but just like that was wild. He just absolutely flew by Kyrie and Al Horford. Didn't even have time to recover, and he just went up with two hands. Was that when whoever it was said like the young legs? Yep, Mark Jones. Yeah, was that Hubie? I think it was Mark Jones. I'm so bad at knowing which I I cannot I can never tell them apart. Any 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 announcers, I never know who is on the call. <laughs> nah, I uh, I'm actually pretty good with voices, but yeah, I think it, I'm pretty sure it was Mark Jones, uh, who was like with the young legs and stuff. But it was just like you could see the bench going absolutely nuts because it's like you didn't know George Hill could do that still. And he was that when it cut to the great shot of Bledsoe. Yeah, oh, was that, that might have been no, a that was play. a pull up three. Oh, that's right, yeah. that's right. And I th- that was a great shot. Yeah, but this was just... I think Bledsoe and Middleton were going nuts on the bench when this <laughs> dunk happened. Because it, it was just... It was wild. And it was sort of like... It was... I don't know how else to describe it besides it put an exclamation point on the quarter. It did. And and again, there's such... Indescribable how big that end of the third was to so the, the momentum and the actual like score of the, uh, of the game. Do you remember... This is an aside... Middleton and Bledsoe's dunk contest throughout the yep. year. Mm-hmm. Who ended up winning? Was it Middleton? Yeah. It has to be, right? Yes. I think it was what by like, it, like one like or two. Four, four or five inches taller? Yeah. Like, this shouldn't be... Come on, Chris. It shouldn't. And especially... Yeah, it shouldn't be close at all. And Bledsoe's vert is sort of going away that Giannis is sort of, sort of poking fun at on Twitter. And Kyle Korver <laughs> did this season, too. That he's part of the No Dunk Club anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Because, uh, what was it, the Bucks posted an old highlight from, like, the 17-18 season 
where Giannis yeah. just threw an alley oop to Bledsoe, and then Giannis is just like, "Hey, can you do that still?" <laughs> they, they did. They did reply with another, a more recent one, right? Maybe I. I think I don't. the Bucks like replied with like a a more recent Bledsoe dunk, just to kind of look out for their guy. <laughs> but yeah, it's just yeah, that was wild. It was wild that it was a contest, and it's. I'm glad Chris won because it'd be very embarrassing if he didn't. Because uh, you know you're going up against a barely six one point guard. And you're like a four. Yeah. Well, and the funniest part, I think, is, I mean, Chris needs to work on those dunks. He could take part in every part of uh, All-Star Weekend if he were to uh, do the dunk contest. <laughs> it would be even worse than Giannis's dunk contest, but still. Oh, Chris. oh, my goodness. Chris, what would Chris do in the dunk contest? Like a two-hand rim grazer. <laughs> just... <laughs> This is, again, to decide, this podcast is a little going off the rails. Uh, but it's just, do you remember, there was like this uh, video of, I fr- forget who it was. It was just someone in the uh, CBA dunk contest from like a few years ago. And they're just throwing how, throwing down like standing one-handers and like getting tens. <laughs> <did not> <laughs> <laughs> just, like it was, oh, it was Robert Sacre who was oh in the dunk contest. And he was just like standing under the hoop and then he jumps for a one-handed dunk and then he just gets tens. I need to find that and send that to you after this. Did they show what he got? Uh, I think, no, I think all the judges gave him tens. What? Yeah. <laughs> I, need to, I need to watch that entire dunk contest now. Yeah, but Chris in the dunk contest would probably go something like that. Yeah, yeah. No, sorry, Chris, for for hating here. But... Sorry, it's the Japanese dunk contest. My apologies. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes even the CBA is actually pretty competitive. That makes even more sense. Mm. But okay, yeah, well, yeah, Chris. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be wild. But yeah, this third quarter, uh, the Bucks end up taking a, a lead. They get at the end of it, they get up ninety six to eighty seven. Uh, did you have any more thoughts on this third? No, I did not. Okay. So, well, in the fourth quarter, it just started off, and Giannis just, like, he he puts it away. Yeah. Yeah, he absolutely does. Marcus Morris is still sprinkling in some threes because, again, he's absolutely Clay Thompson in this series, at least in, in some of these games. But Giannis, the, a lot of great Giannis moments, uh, some really good Chris moments, but and Pat C, again, is, is making shots. Pat C was a difference maker in this damn game, but... Giannis pump fakes and gets Al Horford to pull a Pat C and, and actually like leap out of his way. Incredible. I, I couldn't even believe that that worked. Like, I feel like I remember it being a big deal at, at the time as well. But just seeing those two players act out that, that exact thing and the way it happened, like Horford, such a smart defender, not really known for like being springy and athletic. Giannis, very much known for not being a shooter, but somehow it all works out and gets a very easy Giannis bucket. That yeah. that was wild. It was. And the crazy part is, as I remember early in that regular season, it, it was against the Nuggets at home. He got Paul Millsap on that. Oh, yeah. Which is just, like, the two people you're going to get on that are Paul Millsap and Al Horford. <laughs> I just, that's wild. But, yeah, Giannis, he comes out. He scores 10 in the fourth quarter. And he was just, he, he, was, he was in MVP mode. It was just... I'm going to put this one away. This is my team. We're the better team, and we're going to win this game. Yeah, the Celtics were hitting threes, but it was just too little too late for them most of the time. Uh, Chris to George Hill in, in, like, transition. That was, like, the Chris looks for George Hill. Like, there was at one point, Chris gets one to George, and Giannis was there, too. But, like, the, Chris just always, like, looks to George Hill in transition. Just a random thing I noticed. 
Um, at one point, Chris cooks Kyrie and, and hits a bucket. Do you think? Do you wonder if he ever thinks about that potential trade that was talked about? Ooh, that's a good point. Maybe I kind of thought about that during during ah, that watching that. that happen. Maybe, maybe. maybe. I, don't, I don't know. But the wild thing is, in that like this is building off of that. It's just it's sort of like Kyrie was starting to pick up Giannis and Chris in this fourth quarter, and which resulted you know in that Chris bucket and Giannis getting and ones because one Kyrie isn't the greatest defender in general, <laughs> and two uh, Giannis is about three feet taller than him, uh, and you know the MVP. Uh, Chris yeah. is a All Star, <laughs> very good, very good defender, and also like a foot taller than him. Uh, so I don't I don't know what the thought process is there. I know Zach Lowe has gone in on this about like why on earth Kyrie decided he's the greatest defender on planet Earth. Um, but yeah, it just, it it cost it, it went very poorly for him, and I don't know what else was expected. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of like when I get mad on two K, like on my career, and I just decide I'm gonna do everything. Like I just made a new one, so I'm very bad. I'm like a 62 overall. And I'm an undersized center who can like move the ball and defend and stuff. Like I'm like I'm trying to be super Draymond. Wait, but I'm on the Blazers. My career as an undersized center. Yeah, because then like it, it gives you a lot better handles and, and shot and stuff. Oh, okay, sure. And I usually I, people I don't know. go for like threes and like fours and like superstar wings. But you know what you do? I, know, I just I don't get do into it. it. I'm I'm not as good enough jump shooter honestly on two K to do that anyway. But regardless, so I'm like trying to post up like big centers while we have Dame and CJ just chilling on the outside and like I get frustrated I'm like you know what I'll do it myself kind of that kind of that same deal of like I'll just handle this and and it it doesn't it it went about as well for Kyrie as it did for me trying to post up Alex Len which is to say (laughs) not well this the thing is like Kyrie was having a great game he had a great offensive game he had 29 points and he had 13 in the first quarter it was just I don't know he was playing well I don't know why he overextended himself and cost the Celtics the game. Yeah, he certainly seemed to get caught up in, and like he was seeing red, which is ironic because he wears green. But like he was trying to do a lot and really forcing a lot after that really really great start to the game. I mean, does score twenty nine points, but ends up eight for twenty two. I would guess I think maybe three or four of those eight makes came in the first quarter alone. Like really really fell off from there from the field at least. Yeah, he went four for seven in the first quarter. Oh yeah, so like half of his made field goals in that first quarter. So, but I I didn't remember like the Celtics kind of bizarrely really fighting very very hard in like the last forty seconds of this game and kind of, kind of making it. I mean, definitely closer than it than it really was. But Horford hits a three with five seconds left that did make me sweat a little bit. But the the Bucks do end up holding on to, to really really take the momentum and, and swing it back toward Milwaukee's favor after that game one loss. Yeah, it was, again, I, I've said this a bunch, but it, it was way closer than I remember. Like, I feel when I was starting to do the rewatch uh, of this game, I was like, oh, what was this? Just like a solid, like, what, 15-point win for the Bucks or something? No, it was a seven-point game. <laughs> yeah. Like, they were they were just hitting shot after shot in, like, garbage time. But it, like you said earlier, it's just it seemed like it was too little too late. And the Bucks, the Bucks took it. Yeah, and I think one thing I definitely forgot from this, Pat C might have swung this game. Oh, he definitely because did. That that unassisted eight point run, or by himself, I should say, eight point run in the first quarter. I mean that if you just take out all of his points, and that's not really how it works, but 
you know, assume whatever, like nobody scored in, in the possessions or anything else. The Bucks would have been down 30-17 to 17 after the first quarter, were it not for Bledsoe. And even in, like later in the game, at one point in the fourth quarter, he ends up knocking an offensive rebound to Hill for an easy layup. Mm-hmm. Like He made play after play, and he made some plays earlier in the fourth quarter. And again, this game ends up being pretty close. I did not remember that. So shout out to Pat Connaughton. Ends up with 14 points, 7 rebounds, 2 steals, and a block. Absolutely huge contributions in this game. Yeah, it was you you said it perfectly. If it wasn't for him, the Bucks would not probably win this game. It was And this was a swing point in the series. This like, was. Pat Connaughton might have swung this whole series. Yeah, no. That's that's completely that's a that's a valid point. Pat Connaughton probably did swing this entire series. Which is what a time. Which is weird on the rewatch. I remember making uh like or seeing jokes on Twitter about like, you know, the bleacher report who's stopping this tweet with all the oh, yeah. the, the Celtics and it's just like George Hill and Pat Connaughton. <laughs> and it's just like I but really though. But really though, they did. <laughs> that was that was the, the bench tandem that was like unstoppable. The bench mob. It's, it's great to see the Bucks, you know, retool and get some better pieces, but I kinda miss the the Pure, unadulterated, because there were literally no other options besides Tim Frazier, George Hill, Pat C combo. Yeah, the Bucks were were they're they were not as deep as they are this season, and it's just it's nice to see the players stepping up uh, when they needed to. But it's nice to have other options too. It sure is. <laughs> um, I think that's all I have in this game. I mean, obviously, the Bucks then take a two to one series lead. Uh, next game will also be in Boston, but at this point, even even if the Bucks lose that one, they're again at the spot where win your home games and you win the series, which felt just phenomenal. I mean, obviously both teams demonstrated they could win on the road. What's the old, the, I think very dumb saying, like a series doesn't really start until... A road team wins? Yeah. Yeah, I guess, so I guess this one started right away, and then it really started... Uh, and then I don't I don't know how that I don't know how the math checks out on that, but regardless, both the teams Bucks, showed they the could Bucks win took on back the home court advantage. And yeah, that's that's the big takeaway. So you don't even necessarily quote unquote need game four in Boston, but as we know, and probably everyone listening to this knows, they ended up getting it anyway. Yeah, and it it, it was setting up a must win for Boston because it went from a must win for Milwaukee to a must win for Boston, which again, this is just this was the most pivotal game in the entire series. And Pat Connaughton took it home in 28 minutes. Just wild. We love to see Boston Pat flourishing. Yeah. Another weird thing on the NBA stats page, they have George Hill playing 28 minutes and 60 seconds. I think that's 29 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Some might say that, yes. That's That's a weird quirk. But yeah, if you don't have anything else for this game, I think we can I think we can wrap this up and say that we'd like to thank you listening to this episode of binge the bucks if you enjoyed the episode please leave a rating and subscribe on your podcast platform of choice and tell your family and friends about the show uh, make sure you check out all of the podcasts across the blue wire network everyone's putting in the work to give you guys content during these rough times and i guess i just have to say please stay safe out there and we will talk to you next time For the ones who get going when the going gets tough. And the ones who know we're tougher together. For the pathfinders breaking new ground. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you. So you 
can always depend on us. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.